Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you for your, your goodness and your, your presence with us this afternoon. And Lord, we pray that there would be that transition from your presence to power, that there would be a move of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that God, you'd sow great seeds that we can water that will result in fruit in our lives and fruit in your kingdom. So this afternoon, we just pray that you would just have your way. Lord, we bind every distraction and we ask for breakthroughs in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk this afternoon about the tragedy of a poor self-image. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that we were made in whose image? God's image. We're made in God's image. And you know, when a baby is born, it isn't born with a poor self-image. I've got a, a grandchild who is, um, I suppose she must be about seven months now. And uh, my wife, for the first time this afternoon, she was crawling around. And for the first time, my wife gave her half of an ice cream cone. Well, she grabbed this ice cream cone. First time, she stuffed it in her eye. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then she got it right for the second time. Her first taste of ice cream, Okay her first taste of ice cream, and she loved it. The problem came when my wife tried to take the ice cream cone off her. Well, talk about asserting her authority. She was not going to let that go. She grabbed hold of it with two hands. And then when that was, when she was like this, then she let out a yell. The reality is, she wasn't slow in coming forward. Nobody had told her or taught her to, to submit. Uh, but it's interesting if you, I'm sure Selwyn would agree with us, that the majority of us at some stage have feelings of inferiority, which are a serious handicap to success and happiness. Why? Why does that happen? Why do we have a poor self-image? Well, <clears throat> for one thing, People speak damaging words into our lives. I can only re- remember two instances that really, really st- stand out in my childhood related to this. The first is the only primary school teacher that I can ever remember, whose his name was Mr. Clegg. He was my teacher in Standard 1, whatever that is. And Mr. Clegg pulled me up by the ears and told me that his his three-year-old child could write or spell better than me. Man, that was damaging. That seared something into my psyche. The fact that, I want to tell you how many years later, but uh, (laughs) the fact that I can remember that now, and he's the only name I could remember. The second instance was when I was 16, And I was invited to go to soccer practice uh, with the Blockhouse Bay Soccer Club. And at that stage, the Blockhouse Bay Soccer Club was the number one club in New Zealand. The senior team had won what was called the Chatham Cup and the National League, the first year of the National League. And so it was a great honour for a 16-year-old to be invited to come and practice with the senior team. I was a goalkeeper. And part of the way through the practice, (coughs) they split up into a half-team practice We had the New Zealand goalkeeper at one end and me at the other end. 
We, I had the New Zealand centre forward against me, and the New Zealand um, left winger against me, and the New Zealand uh, midfielder against me. And at one stage in the in the game, they pushed the ball forward to this centre forward, and I saw what was coming. There was no offsides. I dived through his legs and got the ball. He fell over me. He picked himself up. He picked me up. He patted me on the shoulder and he said, son, if you do that in the game, you'll be a hero. That, that changed the way that I looked at myself. Up till that time, I'd been really, really shy and I still was shy. But that word of encouragement went in, went in and just impacted my life. You know, today, we have kids growing up feeling worthless, taking their own lives. Our youth are obsessed with selfies and what other people think of them. We have adults never fulfilling the great plans and the purposes that God created them for because they feel inadequate. And on top of all that, we have an adversary, Satan, who hates God and hates everything made in the image of God. And he will always try and stop God's people from believing God and God's word and what God says about his kids. We know that God wants his kingdom to come and his will to be done in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our city, in our nation. God wants to bless us and wants to make us a blessing. And as we saw last week, Jesus said, we would do greater works than than even he did. Uh, He said, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we will have power to witness. Uh, how many people here got saved during the charismatic move? I can see a couple. Yeah, yeah there's a, a few of us. When, when we got saved, we just believed God and his word. Uh, we hadn't developed a theology of failure. We just thought we had the Holy Spirit in us so that nothing was impossible. Uh, we had been drug addicts. We'd been thieves. We'd been drunks. We'd been prostitutes. We'd been sinners. But now we were new creations. And so we just went out and tested the word of God. And God was faithful to his word. And in the church that I belong to in in Hamilton, we saw 3,000 people saved in 10 years. That was absolutely amazing. Uh, We transformed our city. We had 3% of the population saved. Not, not in our church, saved in those years. And that just absolutely changed things. But today, even though there is just a great sense of the presence of God, and by the way, God is moving. We saw another person saved this morning. In fact, um, Russell, how many people have been saved out of Alpha now in the last two weeks, three weeks? Yep, seven by the end of this week. Yeah, just through just through Alpha, and there've been others. I think from counting, we've had twelve people saved in the last uh, two and a half two and a half weeks. So God is moving by the power of His Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's that 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 is really really good. Uh, there is the sense of God's presence with us, but the thought that God would use you and I in an awesome way 
is often too big for, for people to handle. The biggest stronghold of unbelief and the biggest lie of Satan for many people which stops them from being available to be used of God is the stronghold of a poor self-image. Uh, we saw last week that Isaiah 60 says, A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. And when I read that verse, personally, I get excited because I know that God wants to multiply himself through me. He wants to multiply himself through us. The least educated, the least good-looking, that's good, the, the least financial, the, the least likely to succeed, in the eyes of the world with God, has the potential to be multiplied a thousand times. Uh, the one in our midst that's got the worst background, the one in our midst that's had the hardest upbringing, the one in the natural who doesn't seem to have a hope, with God has all the hope in the world. So imagine what God can do with someone who's had a great background, who's had a strong Christian upbringing, who's got a fantastic education. Imagine what God can do with them. When we read that scripture, a little one shall become a thousand. What comes into your mind? Do you say, yes, God? It's like, <laughs> I love the movie Shrek. And the first time I saw that, do you remember Shrek <coughs> in one scene? He's jumping up and down, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me at the back. That's what I'm like when it comes to the things of God. Pick me, pick me, pick me. But for many people, your response is, get real. Hello. If only you knew the troubles that I've seen. I could never do that. God could never multiply me. Friends, that is why we have to renew our minds. That is why we need to stay connected to Jesus. We need to receive an anointing and impartation of the Holy Spirit and have faith to believe God and His Word and reject the lies of the enemy. Satan does not want this church or you to succeed. He's told some of you that you are useless, that you are a failure, that you are a mistake, that you have no hope, that God doesn't love you, and some of you have believed those lies. We have to break the power of those lies and we need to believe what God says about us. As I researched this subject, I found that one of the better examples of the tragedy of a poor self-image is the life of King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, we read how God himself chose Saul to rule the nation of Israel. And we've got to put this in context. Saul was the very first person that God chose to rule as king over Israel. The first person ever. So this was a special, this was a special guy. This was a special man. When Samuel, the prophet, was looking to find God's anointed and anoint him. Saul was actually out looking for his father's donkeys that were lost. You can read the story in 1 Samuel chapter 9. It's interesting that while Saul was out looking for donkeys, God was out looking for a king. 
Saul didn't see his life going past the ordinary. But God saw his ministry becoming the king of Israel. This wasn't something Saul was seeking. He wasn't seeking greatness. He wasn't seeking esteem. He wasn't seeking fame. He was just doing the ordinary everyday stuff. And I want to just tell you, in the ordinary everyday stuff, God can get a hold of you. There's a great verse, and I think it's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. If it's not 20, verse 1, it's 21, verse 1. I think it's Proverbs 20, verse 1. And it says this. It says, the heart of a king is like rivers or streams of water in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it this way or that. And the key thing in life is no matter what you're doing, make sure your heart is in the hand of the Lord. Because if your heart is in the hand of the Lord, he can turn it whatever way you want. Some of you will know that uh, I have a degree in biotechnology. I worked for New Zealand Dairy. I was their technical executive. And I was in charge of all of the laboratories, all of the water, wastewater, quality assurance, whole pile of things. I was at a black power funeral in Hamilton. One of the guys who had been part of one of my small groups um, had joined the Black Power. Uh, his brother was part of Black Power and uh, he was murdered by a mongrel mob a member. And I was asked to speak at his funeral. I just finished speaking. I sat down and God spoke to me. And God said, how many more young men will die before you'll preach my word? I had never wanted to be a preacher. I loved my job. I traveled around the world a couple of times in it. I was excited about the things that were happening in my job. But the heart of a king is like streams of water in the hands of the Lord. God can turn it this way or that. No matter what you're doing, if your heart is in God's hands, he can change it. He can work things. 1 Samuel 9 verse 20, Samuel says to this young man, Saul, he says, don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago for they have been found. And I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. You've got to put this in context because Samuel, God said about Samuel that none of his words were going to fail. He was probably one of the most accurate prophets that we read of in the Old Testament. When Penny and I were driving down to Auckland a few weeks ago, we were listening actually to the whole of 1 Samuel um, <coughs> over the car radio. And I, halfway there, I said to Penny, those prophetic words were amazing. Samuel would say, okay, go to this place and you'll see two, two people and they're carrying this and this and this and they will say to you this and this. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing, the accuracy of this guy's prophetic words. And he says to Saul, he says, you, I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. Wow. What did Saul reply? What did he say? Did he say, I knew God had an awesome plan for my life? No, that's not what he said. He said, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. 
and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? Here you've got a guy who's just received an amazing prophetic word and he's saying, hey, I'm the lowest of the lowest of the low. (laughs) Don't speak like that to me. There was a barrier in Saul's head to him receiving the plans and the purposes of God for his life. What if the Lord were to say to you this morning, this evening, I've put my spirit within you and I've chosen you to make a difference in Whangarei. What would you say? Would you say, yay, God, that's so good. What I want to tell you, that is what God is saying to each and every one of us here. He's saying, I've put my spirit within you and I want to use you to make a difference in the city. What if we at Church Unlimited were the hope of the city? Figuratively speaking, you may have just been looking for donkeys. You may have just been out doing your normal day-to-day stuff, milking cows, working in an office, a housewife, a school teacher, unemployed, a headmaster. But God is looking for people that he can anoint as kings that will make a difference in Whangarei. He is looking for people that he can fill with his Holy Spirit and give you authority in a way that will impact the people that you work with. It will impact the people that you contact with in the middle of the week. Oh, but Pastor Don, you don't understand. God can't use me. I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too poor or I'm not educated enough or my background. Have you seen my background? Uh, I've been divorced. I'm in a marriage split up or I've never been married. I live in a poor area. What about my family? What about my family? Man, have you seen them? What's your excuse? Are you going to line up all these things or are you going to start to believe what God says about you? Saul was called of God and anointed by the prophet to be king and lead Israel. He had everything he needed to succeed and to fulfill an awesome destiny and change a nation. Yes, he did become king, but he did not succeed And he was not great. Because he was little in his own eyes, he did not see himself as God saw him, but he believed a lie. And if there is an enemy to your succeeding, if there is an enemy to you becoming a thousand, then it's unbelief and the stronghold of a poor self-image which must be destroyed. Samuel said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 17, although you may think little of yourself, Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. It must have been so, so frustrating for Samuel to see God's choice pulling himself down so badly. Saul's poor self-image caused him to sabotage 
everything that God had called and anointed him to be and do. Some people think that they are being humble when they have a low self-esteem, a poor self-image. You're not being humble by thinking of yourself as a nobody, as worthless, as a failure, as somebody God couldn't use. That's not humility. That's agreeing with the devil. No, you're being humble when you give God the glory for all the things he does in and through you. Saul was filled with insecurity. He was filled with distrust. He was filled with suspicion. He was filled with presumption. He hated other people being succeeded. He was totally focused on what other people thought of himself. He lacked confidence. And because he was little in his own eyes, he failed. You've got to believe God and his word and allow the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to crush any negative, unconstructive, pessimistic, self-effacing, I'm no good view of ourselves because we all have got something great to do. And the enemy has targeted every one of us. I doubt whether there is a person here who at some thought, at some stage or other, hadn't thought, hey, I'm no good. Every one of us would have been in that situation at some stage or other. But we have to begin to embrace God's call on our life. And what God says about the image that he has placed on us. We need to believe what God says about us. That we are more than conquerors because Jesus says so. We are precious. Uh, We're the head, not the tail. We've got a future and a hope. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We are the apple of his eyes. Jesus, when he's talking about the parables, how did he describe this? He described this as the pearl of great price, that God gave up everything to purchase back for himself. That's how precious, that's how precious we are. In Christ, we are a new creation And we've got to believe God's word and use God's word to dismantle the thoughts the enemies will try and use to keep you small and insignificant. Do you know what the most valuable building in the world is? That's it. Anyone know what that is? Fort Knox. Why is it valuable? It's an ugly looking building, isn't it? Why is Fort Knox valuable? Right, because of what it contains. Uh, This year, 300 billion US dollars worth of gold. That's why that ugly looking building is the most valuable building in the world. It's not its architecture, it's not its looks, it's not even where it is. It's because of what it contains. And you are exactly the same. You are valuable, not because of your looks. I mean, aren't you pleased you don't look like me? My boys thank God for that every day. And then they start, lo- oh, they start losing their, their, our grandson. So <laughs> we, we were having lunch the other day. And you've got myself, uh, their father, and their uncle, uh, and we're all losing our hair or lost our hair or whatever. 
And poor little Pete, who's nine years old, says, when I go older, will I lose my hair like Poppy and Daddy and Uncle, Uncle Pete? <laughs> and fortunately, we were able to say to him, no, no, it, it doesn't depend on us. It depends on your um, grandfather, on your uh, mother's side. And he had lots of hair, so you're going to be okay. But the thing is, he was looking at us, and he was looking at the image, and he was saying, that image isn't that great. And the reality is, uh, if you look at yourself in the mirror, your image isn't that great most of the time. But hey, that's not what gives you value. What gives you value is what's on the inside. And what's on the inside? The Holy Spirit. What's on the inside? The Holy Spirit. We are valuable because God loves us so much that He gave His Son Jesus to die for us. That gives you value. Don't dwell on who you were. Look at who you are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that those who become Christians become new people. They're not the same. The Holy Spirit is working in us and through us to do His good works. Believe God. Believe His Word. Believe that God can and will use you. Nothing is impossible to God. But we try and put a blockage in front of God. We try and make excuses for why God can't use us. What was the difference between Saul and David? They both had the same call. They had the same anointing oil that was poured on them. They had the same prophet that was relaying God's message to them. They had the same anointing given them. And by the way, it says... Paul, uh, Saul, was changed when he was anointed. He was changed, but he wasn't perfect because he still carried through his poor self-image. They were both called by the same God. Saul became a tragedy, whereas David became the greatest king that Israel ever had. The difference was Saul was small in his own eyes, but David said, "'The Lord's my light and my salvation.'" Whom shall I fear? The Lord's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David said, through my God, I can run through a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. That's the difference between the two men. David trusted in God, believed what God said about him. And you have to see who you are in Christ. You have to form and frame an image of yourself in the hands of of our loving Heavenly Father. And that makes all the difference. God can take your life and accomplish, and accomplish the impossible through you. But if you are little in your own eyes, you will hesitate to believe that and you will hesitate to partner with God. Low self-image is all about me. What do I think of me? What do others think of me? When you become a Christian, it's not just about you. It's about Christ working in you and through you. It's not just about you. Jesus wants to use us. He wants to use little ordinary things, common things to accomplish great things. If God's for us, the Bible says, who can be against us?
or in other words, a translation of that, if God's for us, it doesn't matter who's against us because we've got the majority on our side. We've got all the power on our side. If God's for us. Paul said, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What about you? God believes in you. Have any of you seen The Count of Monte Cristo, the, the film? Very famous. Do you remember that scene in the prison when Edmund Dante is in prison? He's talking to an old priest. And um, the priest is telling him things about his life and everything else. And, and Dante said, but I don't even believe in God. And the priest says, but God believes in you. No matter what you think of yourself, God believes in you. He created you. And he created you for a plan and a purpose. Let's have the musicians. Low self-image in Saul was a stronghold. But my Bible says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons that God gives us have the ability to smash strongholds, to break down strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God gives us the power to take our thoughts captive and those thoughts that are not of Him, those thoughts that are of the enemy, those thoughts that will try and pull us down, we can take those captive and bring them to obedience to Christ. The very first time that Jesus spoke in the temple, and I always think in the Bible, especially first time events are of special significance. The very first time that Jesus speaks in the temple, he picks up a scroll of Isaiah and he reads from Isaiah 61. And then at the end of that, he says, today, these verses are fulfilled. In other words, he was saying, that he was the fulfillment of those verses in Isaiah 60, Isaiah 61. Those verses tell us about people who have problems that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon that are healed and then become healers. They tell us of situations which are really hard for people where the Holy Spirit can come on them. And then those people, as they are transformed, are able to break through and bring transformation to others. So I want you just to think about these verses because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to underline some of these for you. And that just by reading these, you're going to begin to see the truth of God's Word. It says this, Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So there is healing and wholeness for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoner. He goes on and says, He's anointed me to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called. They. Who's the they in those verses? Who's the one? Who's the one that this verse is talking about? Who are the ones? The they in this. The they in this is the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those who are mourning, those who are grieving, those who are mourning, those who have a spirit of despair. They are the they in this. And what is he saying? They will be called mighty oaks, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations and in their riches you will boast instead of your shame you will receive a double portion instead of disgrace. You will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant for them. God hates injustice. He hates robbery. And the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the things that the enemy wants to try and do is to steal the image that God has placed on you. Jesus came to give us life, and life more abundantly. And we have the power to break those chains of bondage, to be able to speak the words of God into people's lives and see life instead of darkness overtake people. If you are one of those ones who've been mentioned, if I've been talking to you this afternoon. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit trying to prompt you, trying to stir you up, trying to get you to believe what God says about you. But if your life has been impacted by negative words, if there have been times and seasons in your life where you've believed a lie, if you've had that, that poor self-image, if you haven't seen yourself as someone that God can multiply a thousand times, if that's you this afternoon, then God wants to do a healing in your life. We're going to break chains of bondage. We're going to set captives free. I want you just to listen to this just for a moment. Thomas Edison was one of the greatest inventors of the late 19th, early 20th century. 
he held over a thousand US patents. He invented the light bulb, the sound recording, the phonograph, motion pictures, power distribution, the fluoroscope. What an absolutely brilliant man this was. One day, young Thomas Edison came home from school and gave a paper to his mother. He told her, my teacher gave me this paper and told me to only give it to, to my mother. His mother's eyes were tearful as she read the letter out loud to her child. She said, your teacher says your son is a genius. The school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers for training him. Please teach him yourself. And so she did. So she did. Many years after Edison's mother died, and he was now one of the greatest inventors of the century. Edison was looking through old family things when he found a folded paper in the corner of a drawer of the desk and he took it out and he opened it up and it was a note from the school. It was a note from the teacher and it read, your son is adult, which means mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. Edison cried for hours and then he wrote in his diary Thomas Alva Edison was an adult child that by a hero mother became the genius of the century how many hero mothers have we got here today how many hero fathers have we got here ones who can speak life and hope and words of encouragement into their kids and change their kids' lives for eternity. You can be that. You can be that person that brings words of encouragement. You can be that person who passes on the words of the Lord. You can be that one who can take an adult child and speak words of encouragement into them to the point where they begin to fulfill the plans and the purposes of God for their lives. So Father, we just bring these loved ones to you. Lord, we thank you that they were created in your image and we speak your truth into their lives. God, we break chains of bondage. We set captives free. We pull out those daggers of reckless words and we speak your life into their situations we thank you that God they were created in your image that you have a plan and a purpose for them to give them a future and a hope and as they walk in your ways we thank you that the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord that you delight in their way and even if they fall they won't be utterly cast down because God you uphold them with your right hand God set these captives free to love you and love themselves so that they can love others we pray in Jesus precious name Amen Amen
Give us a fresh, fresh fire. Holy Spirit, just cement those words. Just cement those words. Just cement those words, God. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. We need you, Lord. To desire, I'm gonna burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. To desire, I'm gonna burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want to desire, I'm gonna burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Thank you that the plans and the purposes for all of us are for good. Thank you that, Lord, when we place our lives in your hands, we are safe. We are safe. We don't have to stress about it. God, we just know that you'll guide us, that you'll lead us, that you'll have your way in us. You'll have your way through us. We trust you in this. In Jesus' precious name, amen.